Well, welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Emmanuel this morning. I hope you're excited to be here today. I want to say, first of all, happy Mother's Day to all of you moms out there. We love you. Could we give it up for our moms? Love you guys. We would not be here without you. Literally wouldn't be here without you. We're so excited to celebrate uh, your day today. Hopefully you get to do something fun and exciting after this. Maybe just relax and have some fun. Maybe just receive some gifts and some love and some tenderness. That'd be a lot of fun. Hopefully you get to receive that today. I was looking at all these parents up here just a moment ago thinking, oh, look at all those little babies dressed up. They look all cute. And thinking, oh boy, they have no idea. (laughs) Anybody raising teenagers out there? Anybody? It gets interesting, doesn't it? So we need to pray for them, okay? In fact, we're going to take the rest of the service today and just pray for those parents. 30 minutes of prayer the whole time. I'm just kidding. They need it. <clears throat> anyway, welcome to Emmanuel. If you're a first-time guest with us here today, my name is Danny. And thank you for accepting someone's invitation. And I want to say uh, hello also to our campuses, our Franklin campus, our Banda campus, our online campus. Come give it up for them. Welcome to you guys live tuning in right now. If you are a second-time guest or a regular attender, welcome back. We're in a series right now called Encounters, and what we said last week is that in this book, there is recorded for us these amazing encounters that people had between, with God. And then we can read about them, and we can study them, and we can look at them, and from the, from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end, it's just you see people encountering God. And especially in the New Testament, what we see is that when Jesus would encounter people, they would always walk away different. Sometimes they'd get healed. Sometimes they'd get perspective. Sometimes they'd get truth. Sometimes they'd be encouraged. Sometimes they'd be frustrated. Sometimes they'd be angry. But they never walked away the same. Jesus is a transformational character. It's what he came to do. Like Jesus came into this world to change you and I. One time he said this about himself in John chapter 8. He said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, that's a very big if, okay? We get to choose. Will I follow or will I not follow? Will I follow my own will or will I follow his will? Jesus said, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in what? Is it with me? Darkness. Instead of, having, instead of having to go through darkness, here's what's going to happen. If you follow me, you will have the light that leads to life. What does Jesus mean by that? He simply means that if you will follow me, you're going to have this light that's going to push you through the darkness of fear. Through the darkness of anger. Through the darkness of resentment or bitterness or pride or the darkness of lust. You know the darkness in your own heart. Jesus said, if you follow me, you will find a light that will push you through that darkness and you will find joy and you will find the path to peace and you will find the path to healing and wholeness and inner strength. See, Jesus, his whole concept, his whole reason, his whole purpose for coming into this world is to have an encounter with you so you can find the path that leads to life. And so what we've done in this series is we're just looking at these different stories. Last week, we started with Matthew, a guy named Levi. His name was Matthew, and it was Levi, okay? It's a little confusing. But we saw that Jesus, he stops at this tax collector's booth, and and he has this encounter with Levi, and Levi becomes one of the first disciples. He actually goes on to write the gospel of Matthew. Talk about a transformational encounter with Jesus. 
And so that's what we want to do. We want to look at a couple of different stories, and then we want to draw some truth from that story and say, okay, God, do you want to produce the same change in me that you produced in Levi's life? Yes, he does. He wants us to transform. And so today I want to look at a story about uh, between Jesus and a woman, and she, her name is not mentioned in the story, but she is the woman at the well. I want to look at this encounter. I, I don't know if you've heard of the, a, a woman named Liz Curtis Higgs. She wrote a book called Bad Girls of the Bible. Anybody read it? Bad Girls of the Bible? Yeah, a few hands have gone up. She wrote a great blog post about this encounter that the woman at the well had with Jesus. This is what she said. She said, her encounter with Christ is one of the most powerful in Scripture. In fact, on record, it's the longest conversation that anybody had with Jesus in the entire Bible. She has this encounter with, with Jesus, and she walks away different. I want to dive into this story. It is a powerful story. Let me set the context for you real quick. Jesus is beginning his ministry. He's, to, he's baptizing people down in the southernmost part of Palestine in Judea. And uh, John the Baptist is also baptizing people. And so people find out that Jesus is actually baptizing and making more disciples than John is. And so there's this little like, I don't know, maybe not competition necessary, but just maybe some overlap. So Jesus decides to leave. He says, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna go up to Judea. There's plenty of disciples to remain up there. So they take this trip. It's about a 120 mile trip. In order to get from, uh, from Judea to Galilee, they have to go, uh, it's about uh, several days trip uh, by foot and camel, and they've got to pass through this town called Samaria. So on their way through Samaria, they stop. Uh, right outside of Samaria, there's this little place called Sychar. And Jesus is thirsty. His disciples are hungry. So Jesus stops to get a drink at this well. It's called Jacob's Well. In fact, the well is still there today. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day on the phone. I do some coaching for pastors, and my, my friend Wesley just got back from Jerusalem. He said, you're kidding me. You're talking about the woman at the well uh, this week? And I said, yeah, it's awesome. He said, I was just there. I said, what do you mean? He's like, it's still there, the well. It's like, no, it can't be. It's like 2,000 years later that that well can't be. He said, no, I promise you, it's there. X marks the spot. They know it's Jacob's well. He took a picture of it. This is it right here. That's Jacob's well. It's actually built in a house. Uh, they built a house around it to preserve it at this point. And this is the actual well that Jesus stops at. Anybody ever been to Jerusalem? One, two, I haven't either, so most of us, we have never been there, I've never been out planning going one day, but this is the actual well, Jesus stops at the well, he's thirsty, his disciples go on to town because they're hungry, and he's there by himself, he's got nothing to draw water with, and all of a sudden, what seems to be a haphazard kind of like occasion, you know, oh, a coincidence, this woman shows up. She's actually uh, from Samaria, but she leaves her town of Samaria, walks out to the town of Sychar to draw some water. It's the middle of the day. It's about 12 o'clock in the afternoon, and there's a reason why she comes to this well. We're going to get to that in just a bit. But now there's this awkward silence, this meeting, this Jewish man and this woman who has no name. And someone's got to break the silence, so Jesus does. In verse 7 of John chapter 4, he says to her, give me a drink. He's thirsty. Now, again, it seems haphazard. It seems coincidental. It just seems so like, I don't know, this meeting, it's just so random. But it's not because Jesus is the most intentional person to ever walk the planet. He doesn't do anything haphazard. There's no coincidences in his life. He had his eye on this woman. He knew his disciples would go on into town. He knew he would be there by himself. He knew that this woman would show up at 12 o'clock on the dot. And he knew what he was going to talk to her about. He says to her, 
give me a drink. Some of you showed up today, you think it's haphazard, you think it's a coincidence, you think that you're here because you chose to be. Nope. Jesus knew you would be here today and he has something to say to you in the same way that he had something to say to this woman. There's a lot of factors maybe of what may, led you to be here today. Maybe you're trying to please your mom. Maybe you give a gift to your mom for Mother's Day. Maybe you came because you feel guilty. Maybe you came because you're discouraged. Maybe you came because your life is struggling. I don't know why you came. But Jesus does. And he knew you would be here and he has something to say to you. He says to the woman, he says, give me a drink. She's shocked by this. And there's two reasons why she's shocked. Look what she says in verse 9. How is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink, a woman of Samaria? If you're taking notes, there's two reasons why she's shocked. Number one, the woman was a Samarian. This is a big issue. Jewish people and Samarian people, they did not mix. It goes way back to 720 B.C., 720 B.C., before Christ. This, this, these people called the Assyrians came into Samaria and they basically took over the place and they transported all of the Jews in Samaria back to their homeland of Media. But they left a remnant. There was, they didn't transport everyone. And the Assyrians intermarried with the, the leftovers of the Jews left in Samaria and they had children and produced families. And so they, the, the, the Jews there committed the unpardonable crime according to the Jewish faith, which was to lose your racial integrity, your racial purity. They intermarried with the Assyrians. So that, that went on for hundreds of years. And then something similar happened in 450 BC, a couple of hundred years later, uh, to the town of Jerusalem. Jeru the Jews in Jerusalem, Jerusalem were transported to Babylon. Babylon took over, they destroyed the temple. But when the Jews were transported to Babylon, they refused to intermarry with the Babylonians. They kept their racial purity. They said, you know, we are Jews. We do not marry people who are non-Jewish. In fact, today, even in strict Jewish circles, if, if, an if an Orthodox Jew marries a Gentile, they perform a funeral service. That person is dead to Orthodox Judaism. Even today. They are all about keeping racial purity, the strictest Orthodox Jews. And so they go to Babylon, they're exiled, and, and then a new king gets into power, and he has mercy, and he says, okay, this is during the time, for those of you who are Bible scholars, Bible readers, Ezra and Nehemiah, this is when the Jews go back to Babylon, they rebuild the temple. When they go back to Babylon and they rebuild the temple, because the Babylonians destroyed it, the Sumerians come out and they say, we want to help. We want to help rebuild this place. Like we're half Jewish or three quarters Jewish or whatever. And those Jews from Jerusalem who kept their racial purity, they said, no way, you won't, t you won't pick up a brick. You're not going to help one bit. And that turned into this huge fight, this racial, this, this hurt, this pain. They would not, the Jews would not let the Sumerians help rebuild the temple. That was about 450 BC. Several hundred years later, there's still this tension. How is it that you, a Jew, are talking to me, a Sumerian? For Jews have no dealings with Sumerians. Remember what happened hundreds of years ago between our ancestors? So she's shocked. She's also shocked for a different reason. Number two, she was a woman. In New Testament times, women had very little value. Very few of them had any sort of education at all. Their only hope was to get married to someone who can produce an income and have babies and... 
They had, they had a little bit more value than children had. In fact, the, the strictest rabbis wouldn't even look at a woman in the street. They, if, if they were out in public with their wife or their daughter, they wouldn't even speak to their own wife and daughter in public. It was a weird situation back in those days to be a woman. In fact, there was a group of rabbis called the bruised and the bleeding. The reason they were called the bruised and the bleeding is because when they saw a woman in public, they would close their eyes and sometimes they would walk into pillars and walls and bloody themselves. Does that sound ridiculous to you or what? So open your stupid eyes, you knucklehead. But that just goes to show you how little value women had. Not Sumerian women, just women in general. On top of being a woman, this is a Samaritan woman, and Jesus engages her. He's breaking all types of social rules and social laws, and she's like, what are you doing? Why are you talking to me? No one wants to talk to me unless they want something from me. And I think you know what I mean. It's not water. And so she's shocked. Instead of chasing down or explaining himself, Jesus doesn't even go there with her. He doesn't even talk about, you know, why he's speaking to her. He, he starts to talk about the purpose of why this meeting is taking place. In verse 10, watch this. Well, this is what he does. He switches the conversation from the physical water, the physical, physical reality, to a spiritual reality. Because that's, why he, that's what this whole encounter is about. Listen to what he says in verse 10. Ma'am. If you knew the gift of God, and that is what we're talking about today on this Mother's Day weekend, the gift of God. If you knew the gift of God and who it was that's saying to you, give me a drink, here's what would have happened. You would have asked him, and he would have given you something called, say it with me, living water. Yeah, we were, a moment ago we were talking about this ice cold water that's, that actually you can still draw water from the well today. I, my friend told me, he said, you, you know, it's ice cold. And he said, hey, next time we see each other, I'll give you a vial of it. I said, that'd be awesome. Use that in my sermon illustration. You can still drink from it today, but Jesus switches from talking about the cold water that you can get from Jacob's well. He switches to, to, to this thing called living water. See... Let me back up a minute. In order for Jesus to change you and I, there's got to be a change in our thinking. There's got to be a change in a perspective, a change in a, that's where all change takes place. And the thinking that Jesus is going to change in this woman's mind is that something physical can satisfy something spiritual. In your notes there. That's the, that's the thinking that has to change, that, that there's something physical in this life that can satisfy us. That's what she's been thinking for a long time. And Jesus is here to talk about how that idea must be destroyed. It must be blown up because it's not true. So Jesus says to her, hey, 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 I want to talk to you about something called living water. I want to talk to you about the soul thirst that you have. I want to talk to you about the inner longings that, you, that you've been trying to satisfy with physical things in your life. We'll talk to you, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But she doesn't, she doesn't understand. It kind of goes over her head. In the same way, when Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again and if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, and Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? How is, it supposed to, is a person supposed to go back into their mother's womb and be born a second time? Like, whew, right over his head. <laughs> Jesus is like, no, come on, silly. You got to be born once from your mother and then once from the spirit. 
But Nicodemus didn't get it. In the same way, this woman doesn't understand. Look what she says to Jesus. She says, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? She thinks he's still talking about physical realities, but he's switched to a spiritual reality. So what does he do? Well, the patient Jesus, loving Jesus, (laughs) calm Jesus, he gives her another shot. Look at verse 13. He says, everybody who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wow, what does that mean? Oh, if you could get this. If you can understand this, it'll change your life. What does it mean to never thirst again? If I drink in this living water, how is it that I'll never thirst again? Well, remember a moment ago, I was talking about those those desires inside of you that never seem to be quenched. Jesus is saying, if you take in the water, the gift of God, if you take that in, you'll never thirst again. Here's what that means. You will no longer be driven by unsatisfied desire. Oh, sure, you'll go after things and you might seek a promotion and you might seek to get married. You might seek to have another child and you might seek to, you know, improve yourself or, or you know, or lose weight or whatever. But deep down inside, you will have been satisfied at the soul level. You'll never be thirsty again. Look what will happen when you drink this water and watch this. The water that I give this person or anybody who wants it will become in, will become in him or her a spring of water welling up to the gift. The gift. What is the gift? Eternal life. Unfortunately, so many preachers and pastors have taken this term eternal life and they've made it they've made it into something about what happens to you after you die and I'm very excited about what happens to me after I die because I have faith in Jesus and I believe that if you have faith in Jesus you're going to go to heaven anybody else excited about that I mean I'd rather go there than the other place hello I mean but But that is not what Jesus is talking about when he says the gift of God is eternal life. You have to understand. What he's talking about is a quality of life that happens right here, right now, next to a well or in this building or watching online, wherever you happen to be watching, a quality of life, a light that comes in that leads to light that pushes you through the darkness of whatever dark, whatever is plaguing you in your life. It begins right now. Does it go on? Does it, does it exist after you pass from this life? Yeah, absolutely it does. Eternal, it goes on forever, but it begins right now. See, Jesus knows that this woman has got some issues. She's not a woman of incredible character. She's not a woman of purity. She's not a woman with integrity. She's got some issues. We'll get to that in just a second. But she's not stupid. She's not dumb. She understands. She's, she's half Jewish, maybe three-quarters Jewish, maybe a fourth Jewish. She understands the history. She understands the Old Testament. If you read the story, you know. She's aware of her heritage. And Jesus knows that she knows 
about her Jewish heritage. And that's why he's talking to her about living water. See, in the Jewish faith, in your notes to the Jewish faith, used physical thirst as a spiritual representation for spiritual thirst. And, and Jesus knew that she knew that. How? Because she knew the scriptures. Let me give you a few examples. These aren't in your notes, but Psalm 36, 9, watch this. For with you, this is God, for with God is a fountain of life. See, like, it's a metaphor. Like, God, you, you're the fountain of living waters, and when somebody drinks you in, they live. Like, the water gives life. See that? Watch this in Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer longs for streams of water, so my soul longs for God. Isaiah 55, verse 1. It keeps going and going and going. Come, everyone who says it, say with me, thirst. He's not talking about physical thirst. The prophet Isaiah is talking about the soul thirst, the one, what this woman had, what I have, what you have, this insatiable, unnamed longing, this, this dissatisfaction. Come, everybody who thirsts, come to the waters. Look at Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water. Where, did you, where do you think Jesus gets this terminology in John 4? He gets it from the prophet Jeremiah chapter 2. Well, where did Jeremiah get it from? Well, of course, he got it from Jesus. So. <laughs> right? Because he's the living word. Jeremiah says, my people have committed two evils. They've abandoned me, the living water. They no longer drink from the fountain of living water. Here's what they've done. Instead, they've, they've cut for themselves, or they dug out for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water. A cistern was like a bowl, a hole in the ground with some ceramics laid, laid in there, and it was supposed to hold water, and you drink from it to get satisfied. And, 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 and the prophet says, you've dug for yourselves cracked cisterns. The water goes right through. In other words, it'll never satisfy this thing, Jesus knew that this woman understood the metaphor of spiritual thirst and physical thirst. But because she doesn't want to go there with him, <laughs> she just tries to pretend and, 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 and she doesn't know who she's dealing with. See, some of you don't know who you're dealing with. You think you can pretend with God. But he, he, know, he, he has this thing about him. It's, I said this to the 915. He's got this God thing about him that he knows everything. Have you ever thought about that? So like he knows when you're trying to play him. So don't, I would advise you not to do that. She, go, she tries to play him and listen to what she says in response. She says, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty and have to come here to draw water. She, she now, now she's messing with him. Now she's like, well, I don't want to talk about my soul thirst. I want to, where's your bucket? I don't want to come back here anymore. Let's, can we stop this conversation? But Jesus is relentless. And he will not let it go. So he has to go, he has to go in for the, for the kill, to lack of a better <laughs> phrase. He's got to push in harder. And I'm so glad that he does because it gives us a picture of what he wants to do in my life and what he wants to do in your life. He is relentless. Not because he wants to condemn you, not because he wants to make you feel bad, but because he loves you and wants what's best for you. So look what he does. He exposes her idolatry. He just exposes her idolatry. What is idolatry? Idolatry is very simple. It's looking to God, looking to anything other than God for what only God can give. That's what idolatry is. Idolatry is drinking in some other water that will never satisfy. It's looking to something other than God for what only God can give. Remember the idea. The idea that Jesus is trying to crush here is that something physical can satisfy the spiritual. 
That is idolatry. When we try to satisfy a spiritual longing with something physical, we are committing idolatry. We're drinking from some dugout cistern that, we, that we've dug that holds no water. It'll never satisfy. So he exposes her idolatry. How does he do that? Look what he says to her. He says, ma'am, go call your, say it with me, husband and bring him here. Now, when he says this, it's like, I mean, first of all, how do you go from living water and thirst and go get your, go get your hubby? It almost seems like these two things are not connected, but they are totally connected because she has been using men, she has been using relationships to try to satisfy her spiritual longing and her spiritual thirst. And Jesus is done with her game, so he just goes for the jugular. He says, hey, go get your hubby. And she still thinks she can fake him out. Let me say it again. You can't. He has this God thing about him like he knows everything, okay? So you can't pull one over on God's eyes. And so she says to him, I don't have a husband, gotcha. But he knows everything. He says, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five. And now you're on your... Now she begins to get a picture of who she's dealing with here. Oh. I know what you're doing. You're trying to show me how I've been trying to satisfy a spiritual thirst with something physical. You got me. How does he, why does he do this? I mean, think about this woman. Remember what I said about women in the New Testament? Uneducated, they, they really relied upon men for any sort of living. Uh, they were tossed to the side, tossed to the curb. A man could divorce a woman just like that in the New Testament for any reason whatsoever. Boom, I don't like you anymore, you're done. She had been divorced five times. No doubt that she had suffered physical abuse, emotional abuse, probably sexual abuse. This woman was used and abused and tossed aside. And Jesus has the audacity to put his finger on the pain. Imagine the pain that she had. Some of you have been divorced once and, it, and you think about it all the time and it crushes your spirit. She's been divorced five times. Why does Jesus go to this pain point? Why does he do that? It's because he loves her. In fact, the most loving thing he can do for her and the most loving thing he can do for me or for you is to expose or idolatry. In your notes, I wrote it like this. Jesus is fiercely committed to exposing the thing that you are trusting in for your happiness. He won't let it go. So he's going to continue to push in and say, that will, you keep drinking from that well, you'll be thirsty again. I'm going to give you something that if you drink it, you'll never thirst again. Come on, come on, come on. That's going to leave you empty. You think it's going to satisfy. Now you're on your sixth guy. Guess what? If I don't talk to you about this, you're going to try number seven and number eight and number nine. And some of you are in the exact spot. Maybe it's not a person. It's a job car, a house, this, that, doesn't matter what it is. We're all the same. We all want to be satisfied. We just pick different things. This is why this story hits every one of us, man and woman. So the reason he pushes into her pain point, her idolatry, is because he loves her and he knows if she keeps going down that path, she'll never be satisfied. You know what he's most interested in in her life and in your life and in my life? He's interested in her satisfaction at the soul level. That's why he does it. Now, today's Mother's Day. 
And this sermon definitely applies to every single, single person, every single man, every single person out there who's a, a student, middle school, high school. Certainly applies to all of us. But let me talk, let me talk to the moms today because I think Jesus would press into you today and, because he loves you and he'd say to you very simply, here moms, listen, pay attention. There's nothing physical that will ever satisfy your spiritual thirst. For some of you moms, he would say to you today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go get your calendar. Because you think if you just get everything done, your to-do list, that, you, that you'll be happy. For some of you, you'd say, go get your mirror, go get your makeup. Because you think if you could just look right and have the right body and the hair and the right face and all that stuff. And get everything done. <laughs> I know about you moms. I know. I know. <laughs> have one and I live with one. Okay. For some of you moms, he would say, go get your, your wine glass. Because you think if I could just have two or three, maybe a whole bottle, then I'd be, then I'd be satisfied. For some of you, it's, he would say, Jesus would say to you, with all the love in his heart, he'd say, go get your girlfriends. Because you think if you could just hang out with the girlfriends, have girls night and girls this and girls that and girls everywhere, that you'd be happy. For some of you, it's, it's, for some of you moms, he'd say gently, lovingly, he'd say, okay, go get your kids report cards. Because you think that if your kids are getting straight A's and if they're performing well in this avenue and this extracurricular activity or this sport, or the, then, you're, then, you, then you'd be happy. To some of you moms, he'd say, go get your phone, just your Facebook account. Let's just talk about that, how likes, comments, Pinterest, pins, this. I don't even know what the heck people do on, this, on, on that stuff. But, he, but a lot of women spend a lot of time in there. Jesus would say, go get your phone. Why? Because he doesn't like you because he wants to condemn you? No! It's the most loving thing he can do for you is to point out your idolatry, to, 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 to expose that thing you're looking to for happiness that will never satisfy. For some of you, it's like, go get your job, your pay stubs. You, know, you think if you could just work the job and make the money, then you'd be a great mom. And for some of you, he'd say, no, 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 I don't, wanna, I don't want you to go get anything. I want to go to your house because you think if you could just keep your house in order and everything's clean, plates are everything, everybody's bedroom's clean, everything's, you know, no dust anywhere, then you're a good mom because everything's clean and in its right spot. That's called a museum. I don't know if you mom's just a little, like, that'll save your life right there. For some of you, and it pains me to say this, some of you, Jesus would push in to the pain point. He'd say, go get your flirt. Yeah, your flirt. Your flirt is not your husband, it's that barista. It's your son's coach. You know, you drop your son off for practice and you're like, hoping that the coach looks. Is he looking? Jesus would say, hey, that'll never satisfy you. That not only won't satisfy you, that'll destroy your life. That coworker that you have, go get your flirt. For some of you moms, he'd say gently, lovingly, because he loves you, he'd say, go get your binge. You know what I'm talking about, moms, your binge? Was well, Netflix or late night ice cream or Starbucks. <laughs> go get your binge, because you think if you could just keep shoving that physical stuff into the spiritual place, well, then you'd be happy. Listen, this applies to all of us, but right now we're talking to moms. Why would he do that to you? He would do it because he loves you. And he's fiercely committed to exposing the thing you've been looking to for happiness that'll never satisfy you. That's why he would do it. And so I think this woman gets it. I think her encounter, in your notes there, her encounter leads to her being satisfied. 
I think she finally understands who she's dealing with. I think she, she's like those folks who stop every morning at the gas station to get the biggie gulps. You know what I'm talking about? The 64 ounce Cokes, Diet Cokes. Then you ask him, man, that's a big Coke. You know, and you're like, well, I drink four a day. It's like, Coke's bigger than their head. It's bigger than their head. How do you do that? I don't understand. Like, but this is what the woman does. She takes Jesus and she just starts, it's all over, all over her face, her clothes. She just drinks and drinks and drinks. And she is satisfied in a way that no man could ever satisfy her. No money can satisfy her. Nothing. How do we know that? Well, look, look what she does in verse 28. So the woman left her water jar, she went away into the town. The same people that she was trying to get away from because she had had five husbands and she was now with a man who wasn't her husband. (laughs) The same people that she was trying to avoid, it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon, it's the hottest part of the day. She doesn't want to be seen because when she was seen in town, she held her head low because when people saw her, they would whisper, there she is, there she is, the woman with five. Now she's with the sixth. That woman. That's why she's all alone. That's why she's at this well. She's ashamed. The same people she was trying to avoid, now she's running back to these people from town and she says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this not be the Christ? She drank it in. Now she didn't care about what people thought about her reputation. She, didn't, she wanted people to drink in what she had just drank in. She wanted people to experience and encounter grace. And so she runs into town, and sure enough, the people, men and women, listen to what she had to say, and they put their faith in Christ, and some of them actually come and they hear Jesus teach. You know what the ironic thing is? Oh, so, so, this is, this is Jesus for you. Think about the culture of the day. Women had no value. They had very little income, very little education, and one of the first evangelists in the New Testament, what is an evangelist? It's someone who proclaims the gospel. One of the first effective evangelists is a Samaritan woman with no integrity. How ironic is Jesus? (laughs) He's flipping the whole culture upside down. That's the job of the rabbi, the pure, the holy, to tell people about God. And here's this woman telling people about Jesus, and they're coming, and they're placing their trust in Jesus. Why did she go into town that day? Here's why. When you encounter living water, you, I wish I would have wrote it this way. You can't help but tell others. You can't help it. It's like, this is my story. This is why I love the woman at the well because when my, my story is very simple. At the age of 13, 14, 15, I'm looking for what's gonna give me happiness. Like, what is it? Is it a pr- the prettiest girl in school? Okay, let me chase after that. Is it, is it being the best athlete? Okay, let me chase after that. Is it being the most popular kid? Okay, let me chase after that. I wanted to be happy. I had that, sat, that unsatisfied desire inside of me. And then as you get older, people start to drink alcohol and they start to smoke some pot and they start to do this. And they, I'm like, okay, well, let me chase some of that. Let me chase some of that. Sorry, mom, I know you're watching, sorry. I've got your favorite color on, I got purple. And so I'm chasing after this and I'm chasing after that and I've got all these unsatisfied longings and whatever people are doing that seems to be making them happy, I'm drinking it in, I'm drinking it in, I'm drinking it in. But the whole time I'm drinking it in, I'm thinking, I don't know, I don't think that's it. I mean, that was sort of fun, but I feel bad, I feel guilty, I didn't treat that person right, now there's consequences here and there, I lied, I cheated, I stealed, I I broke the law, I did this, whatever. 
I don't think that's it. And I'm telling you, moms, listen, I'm telling you, there's no explanation other than my mother's prayers for me to suddenly say, you know, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's Jesus. Like I'm a, I'm a high school kid in New York City with no Christians around me, <laughs> at least that I knew about. And I start to investigate whether or not Jesus could be the satisfaction of my soul. How do you explain that? Moms, listen, one, 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 one answer. My mother's prayers. So I started to look into like church and God and I started to recognize that well, maybe, maybe all this unsatisfied longing and maybe, 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 God, maybe it's God, maybe God's the one. And sure enough, at the age of 17, I made that decision and I put my trust in Christ. And when I did, when I did, I felt something that I'd never felt before at a party or or, or winning a basketball game or being a cool kid or a popular kid or, or or any other physical thing. I felt something that was like, the best way I could describe it is, is joy. The best way I could describe it is, is as a warm inner peace that flooded my soul. I thought, whoa, 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 what's that? Give me more of that. I didn't know it at the time because I didn't know the story of John 4. It was living water. It was the gift of eternal life that was flooding my soul. And so you know what I did? I started telling my buddies. My buddies that didn't go to church. My buddies that did all the wrong things. And what did they say back to me? They said, dude, you joined a cult. (laughs) You've lost your mind. Now, remember, this is New York City, okay? Nobody, like, there's not a thing to go to youth group. It's not a thing. There's, like, not, there's that, it's not cool to go to church. Like, nobody knows Christians. And they're like, who got a hold of someone's brainwashed you? (laughs) I didn't care. I'd say, no, 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 it's not about church. It's not about that. In fact, I don't like church. And I I don't even like church today. I like our church, okay? So just make that clear. But it's not about, it's not about church. It's not about religion. It's about this, 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 this thing, this person that came into my life. He's filled my heart with joy. You got to know him. I'm not asking you to come to church. I'm asking you to come see Jesus. I was doing the same thing she did. Why? Because I had tasted it. The reason that I'm telling you today about the living water is because I tasted it. You can never satisfy a spiritual longing with something physical. Please don't do it. Stop. There's no job, there's no person, there's no experience, there's nothing out there that can do it. Jesus would say to you today, and I'll quote him, he'll say, you keep drinking from that well, you'll be thirsty again. You drink from the water that I give you, you'll never thirst again. What's your choice gonna be? I chose to drink in the living water and I choose to drink it every day. What will you choose to do? If you want in on this deal, I'm gonna say a very simple prayer. It's a prayer of you saying, God, I want the gift of eternal life. I wanna drink in the living water. I want you to satisfy my soul. I'm gonna stop pursuing physical things to satisfy spiritual longings. I put my trust in you. If you'd like to pray that right now, I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. You know who you are. You're on number five, number six, job, person, drink, experience, whatever, you know, come to him right now. Tell him these words. Take these words, make them your own. Jesus, I come to you today for the satisfaction of my soul. 
I believe that you gave your life away. You were crucified and you took your life back. You rose from the dead to wash away my sin and to give me the gift of eternal life. I drink it in today. I gulp your spirit in today. Right now, fill me with your joy, your peace, your power, your love. May it splash all over me. Satisfy my thirsty soul as I put my trust in you. From this day forward, help me to drink every single day from the fountain of living water and invite all of my friends and all of my family members to drink as well. I pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer really quick, we want to give God praise, don't we, guys? Come on. Raise it high. Come on, come on, like you mean it. Come on, guys. No better story going on in the entire world. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, we want to give you a gift. It's a New Testament right here. If you prayed to receive Christ, there's tables in the back to my right and to my left, whatever campus that you're at. If you prayed to receive Christ online, check the box there that says I accepted Christ. Put your address on there. We'll send one of these to you in the mail. We also want to make it to you something called Starting Point. It's a short-term small group where you can talk about issues of faith, like God, church, the Bible, questions that you might have. Talk to our teams about Starting Point if you would like to be in a group like that as well. One more time, guys. Can we give God a hand? Come on. Nice and loud. Moms, we love you. Moms, may you drink in the living water. May he satisfy your soul. I want you to stand with me really quick. We're going to sing this closing song, powerful song. It's about the, the living water. It's about a well that will never run dry. And then at our local teams, we'll take over and we'll, we'll end with an announcement. I love you guys. Happy Mother's Day. I will see.